It's me. <clears throat> we have a guest speaker today. Switch hats, switch mics. And it, it, and it is I. <clears throat> I'm so thankful to be able to share with y'all today. Um, I want to again say welcome to everybody that's here and everybody that's out there watching and listening. And we love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, I hope all of you fared well through the hurricanes. Um, we were without power for just a day, and we're doing fine. A uh, bunch of limbs in the yard, but all is well. Amen. And I hope all of you have heard from lots of you saying that you're doing, you've, you've managed fine, and maybe your trash can blew down the street or something, but you're doing well. So we're glad to hear that. Um, today, I want to talk to you about the way of love. Um, but first, let me just ask you this. Is this just like the weirdest ever year in your whole life? I mean, this year, 2020, has, has just taken the cake. It is bizarre beyond anything I've ever experienced in my 57 years. This is the most, the strangest year ever. Probably anybody in anybody that's alive on the planet right now in your lifetime, this may be the strangest year. Think about this. So far this year, we have already experienced a deadly pandemic. Devastating bushfires in Australia, global recession, the impeachment and acquittal of our president, a worldwide movement for racial justice, unemployment rates in the U.S. alone that have reached nearly 15% on average, political polarization, catastrophic wildfires in Arizona and California, a double hurricane in the Gulf this last week, and we are only eight months into the year. Kenny and I learned a long time ago, don't say, well, what else could happen? Because no telling. Nobody could have known. Nobody could have predicted 2020 to, and that, that's just a few of the bizarre things that have happened this year. Um, it has definitely been crazy, and I have been trying to wrap my head around um, what what it all means, what's happening, what's going on, trying to make some kind of sense of it. How about you? Anybody else trying to make sense out of 2020? Uh, so what I'd like to do today is I'd like for us to take a look back over some of the topics that we have just recently discussed, and I want to see if I can tie these ideas together today for us, okay? So here we go. Three weeks ago, Christian shared with us about spiritual gifts, you know, gifts of teaching, administration, faith, encouragement, uh, how to show mercy, and so on. Um, if you want to go back and look at those, you can review them in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and in Ephesians chapter 4, and review about all of the spiritual gifts. He talked about how we should embrace and enjoy and thrive in the gifts that we have been given rather than wishing we had somebody else's gift. Why? Because God gifted you perfectly with what he wanted you to add to the body of Christ. He needs all of us acting together with all of our different gifts so that we make one beautiful, uh, harmonious, unified body, right? 
Um, two weeks ago, Lowell talked to us about uh, what it means for the church to live in the new normal. That is something we are trying to figure out, still learning. One of his key verses was Ephesians 3.10. And, and part of that says, so that through the church, and that's all of us working together using the gifts that we have been given, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known. That's, that's pretty awesome. The purpose of the church, our purpose, your purpose, our purpose as a church is to reveal the manifold, uh, multifaceted wisdom of God to the world. That's the purpose of the church. That's God's big idea for the church. I love that. I love being part of that. And my part is one facet. It is to do what he has gifted me to do, right? Okay, and then last Sunday, Lowell talked to us about God's judgment and what that really means. And we learned last week that in Greek, the word most often translated as judgment is crisis. Our word would be crisis, to, to make a judgment, to make a decision, a time of crisis. When God sees you in a crisis, when he sees me in a time of Crisis, when he sees us in crisis, in turmoil, he makes a judgment right then to rush in and bring healing, to bring restoration to us. Uh, how do we know that this is true? Because in John chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment so that those who don't see may see. So Jesus came. He rushed in to bring judgment in a time of crisis. He rushed in to bring healing and restoration. He rushed in to bring sight to the blind. That's me. That's all of us, right? I mean, in this time of confusion, who's not spinning around going, what the heck? What's happening? I need clarity. It's a time of crisis in our country. It's a time of crisis in the world, right? And God, by his Holy Spirit, by the church, by us working through uh, the, the gifts that he's given us and working together as the body of Christ, he wants to bring healing and restoration, right? Sight to the blind, truth, healing. So that's why when we understand what judgment, crisis, means, we crave it, we want it, we desire it. Because in a time of crisis, in a time of a hurricane, in a time of whatever kind of crisis you're going through, the pandemic, whatever it is, Jesus is ready right there to bring judgment, to make a judgment, a decision to bring healing, right, and restoration. And that's true because God is good and only good. He's always good. God is good and only good, and that is true. He is only, always, all the time, good. Now, so with those things in mind, I want us to take a look at a couple of chapters in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible with you or if you have your uh, digital, digital Bible, would you please open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And let's 
read together. We're going to begin at verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, where we're going to start. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. In today's version, it might say black or white, Democrat or Republican, man or woman. Everybody gets what Paul is saying here. We were all baptized into one body and were all made to drink of one spirit. By the way, in Greek right here, the word all means all, every kind, all, to drink of one spirit. For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, each one of us, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We can't do without them. And on, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't even require. Like hair, you know, that's one of the parts of the body that doesn't require particular modesty. But God has so composed, the God composed the body, right? Not us. Giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you, 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 you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church Apostles, prophets, teachers, etc., all the gifts, uh, giftings that Christian taught us about a few weeks ago. And the last verse of chapter 12 says, but yet, wait, I'll show you still a more excellent way. More excellent than what? More excellent than prophesying or moving in all of the gifts, speaking words of knowledge, uh, teaching, preaching singing, there's a more excellent way than all of that. But wait, how is, that's how we minister to people. It is. We minister through the gifts. And yet, there is something that's a notch above that. 
a more excellent way than that. First Corinthians chapter 13 tells us what that excellent way is. And you know this chapter, many of you maybe have it memorized. It is one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible. It's read a lot at weddings. Um, it's one of the most beautiful chapters. I, I don't think I've ever read a translation of chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, that I didn't love. Every translation even is beautiful the way it is said. And so I was thinking about this a few days ago, um, these verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I was thinking about how desperately our crazy world right now, full of chaos, in crisis, <clears throat> we're in crisis. We need this so badly right now. <clears throat> so let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 1. Read through verse 8. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Why? Because love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable and resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. <clears throat> Our uh, God has gifted us perfectly, and the, and the body of Christ needs every one of your gifts, my gifts, your gifts, Why? Because that's how we're going to fulfill the purpose of the church. Church, listen. Our purpose is to reveal to the world the manifold wisdom of God. We're going to do it through our gifts. And it's really true that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. He's only good. And that's why Jesus came for judgment for, for crisis, so that those who don't see can see. God, who is revealed to us in Jesus, came to bring sight to the blind, healing and restoration to the broken. That's good news for people in crisis, don't you think? Don't you agree? I mean, I think that's awesome news, amazing, off the chain news. Okay, so uh, Jesus walked on the earth. He brought healing. He brought restoration. He opened blind eyes. He healed people. But what about now? What about right now? All these crazy things that are happening right now in 2020. What about now? What about us? What about, that seems far away, the Bible and Jesus. But what about my personal crisis? My personal hurts? He's going he's gonna to use me and you to minister life and love to 
the hurting, crazy, confused world right now. He wants to use the church. When the body of Christ functions as it should, we do reveal God's goodness to humanity. That's how his goodness is shown. And we do it when we love. We can do it with prophecy and teaching and administration and all those things. They're wonderful. They are how we function as, a, as a, the body of Christ. But we do them through love. If we do all those things and we don't, aren't doing them in love, we're just a clanging symbol. It means nothing. The Bible says it means nothing. If we're doing it, we're using the gifts, we're singing, but we're not loving. Who cares then? That's not ministry. That's not ministering to hurting people. That's not bringing healing and restoration during a time of crisis, is it? There's so much chaos, so much division, so much hate. I mean, look around. I'm not telling you anything new, am I? Anybody out there doesn't know this, that there is chaos happening right now, that there is hate, there is competition, there is jockeying for position everywhere we look. There is anger. People are confused. They don't understand all this chaos that we're experiencing right now. They're looking for answers. They're looking for truth. It is time for the body of Christ to rise up and be the church. You agree? It's time for us to rise up in love and be the church. It's time that we start reflect. It's time for us to start reflecting the manifold wisdom of God to the world. That's our purpose, right? That brings healing. That brings salve. That brings calm and peace and relief to people during a time of chaos, during a time of crisis. The world desperately needs something to hope in. The world needs truth. The Bible says truth will set you free. When we see the truth that God is good, that sets us free from confusion and chaos. Listen, the world needs to know that God's really good and that he desires to heal and restore, right, during this time of crisis. He does not send wildfires. Listen, God doesn't send hurricanes or, or a plague. He didn't send coronavirus to get your attention. That's not his M.O. That doesn't even make sense. How can he be the destroyer and the restorer? Doesn't make sense. He's good and only good. He's not sending things to punish and to wake us up. Wake up, America. I'm going to send a hurricane. So I'll get your attention. That's not how he works. That's not how he moves. Jesus never did such things. He said, well, okay, I'm going to give that bunch of people leprosy so they'll get their eyes on me. Then I can heal them. And then, no. He rushed to their time of need. He rushed to the crisis and said to the leper, I will. Yes, I will heal you. Does that make sense? He's a healer. He's not a destroyer. It's not about judgment. Hey, judgment is him running in the, in the crisis, running to bring healing. It's not about, you know, the, the long armor of the law and the slamming down. That's not, that's not God. He can't be a destroyer and a healer. He is a restorer. 
He's a life giver, not a death giver. So we need not be confused about that. There may be a lot of things we're confused about, like, what in the world is happening right now? Everything is, seems to be upside down, but we don't need to be confused about who God is in it. He's good and only good. He's here in the time of crisis to bring joy and restoration and peace, 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 peace inside, no matter what's going on outside. Right? You know, the picture of peace is the bird sitting over the waterfall on a branch. And he's just sitting there. It's peace. No matter what's going on around him. Singing his tune. Praising. I choose to praise. To glorify his name no matter what. No matter what kind of things come my way. Right? You've all had stuff. We've had stuff. His plan is to show the world his goodness through you. Through me. He's not a God of division. He's a God of unity. And it doesn't work unless we, as the body, are unified. Just like the body, the right arm fighting against the left arm. Doesn't doesn't work that way. He wants us to show his character with love. His character is love. Right? Okay, let me add this. Um... Loving other others, those people out there, it begins here. It begins in the body. It's the body learning how to love other people, other members of the body. You hearing me? You know what I'm saying? It's not just about us loving those people way over there in Iran or, you know, Russia or Africa. No, it's about us loving somebody that's here or somebody that's there with you in your family. That's where it begins. That's where peace and restoration and healing begin. Remember 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25? Lowell taught us a couple of weeks ago that there may be no division in the body. Oh, no, that we just read a few minutes ago. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer, Right? If one rejoices, we all rejoice together. First John 4, if you want to look in your Bible here or just want to look at the screen. First John 4, 7 and 8 in the message says this. My beloved friends, let us continue to love one another. Love each other. Since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. That's pretty simple. Church, we, we have got to do better at loving people. At loving one another and at loving other others. Those others. We got to do better at loving. Over the past uh, few months, I've heard so many hateful words spoken on television, on the internet. You know, we're, we've been socially distanced, so we observe a lot more media 
can't speak for y'all, but I could speak for me. You know, we're, we're more isolated than we've ever been before. We're not, you know, going out with each other, doing things together all the time like we used to. So we are on social media a lot more. And I got to say, man, wow. Now that emoji. That's how I feel sometimes. Wow. Social media, man. It can, um, people can say some serious things. You know, I guess on social media, people feel um, we can say what we want to say because it's not really, I'm not really there. But you know, you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That gum, put them in writing. They're going to stay there forever. Put it out there, spew it out there, and put it in capital letters with a bunch of exclamation points. It's going to stay out there forever. A stick and a stone, okay, that bruise going to get better. That cast will come off. But those words, man, they rumble around in your head. And if you read something on social media or if you hear something on television uh, or read something, see something on the Internet, man, it will roll around. Am I right? It will stay with you. And, man, you got a little recorder in that computer brain of yours, and it will play that thing over and over. The more negative, the more times it plays. It seems like we forget the good stuff pretty quickly, but that negative, hateful stuff, it doesn't take but a second. doesn't take but a second for a word to go down deep and, and stir up something. Um, the other day, we were making our game plan for the hurricane uh, to get ready, get things ready at our place a little bit because we didn't know. We knew something was coming. We knew the hurricane was coming, but we didn't know how badly it was going to affect us, our yard, our stuff. So I have a bunch of ferns out on my deck, and so I went out to the deck to bring them into the screened-in porch so that they could be safe. And I had moved several of them, and I picked up one big fern. And, I mean, within a split second, I saw nothing. But within about a half second, I heard something in my ear buzzing. And I started flapping. I had been stung by a red wasp about at least two times, I think, three times, maybe four. I mean, my ear, it stung me on the ear and on the neck. And my neck swelled up, and it made a big red streak down my neck and my ear. I like I had, Kenny said, oh, cauliflower ear. Like, you've been Mike Tyson. You've been fighting. <laughs> I mean, it was swelled out there, and it hurt. It still hurts. I was like, I went from two piercings to three piercings instantly. And then I got some piercings down the neck, too. And, you know, uh, as I was reading this, um, I was thinking about how, you know, when we speak a word that's not in love, man, it's like a sting. It's like venom. It just goes in, and it, and then it burns at first. It stings, and then the longer it's there, it just starts sliding down and affecting other things, right? Man, I had a headache, all those things from just a little wasp. I didn't even see it coming. Never saw it coming. I heard a buzz and started slapping. Ran in the house screaming. <laughs> That's how when we move in anti-love, when we, when we speak something in hate or in judgment or in just uh, critical venom, 
spews out. But guess what? The anti-venom for that, when we move in love, it's the same way. Nobody sees it coming. It'll just zap them, and the next thing you know, it's affecting them in ways they didn't even expect. They start feeling it. They start, then they hear it over and over. We, when we speak words of kindness, words of love, gentleness, when we show acts of mercy, we can, we can move. Do you know that you can move in love without even saying a word? Your face, your body language. When we, sometimes when we touch somebody on the arm or on the back just to show comfort. You know, we can't, right now we're estranged from each other. We can't hug and all of that like we could. Get on social media, man. Throw around some love. Just sprinkle it out there. Share some kind word. You know, if you see something that's good or you like, tell them. That thing will go around and around in them and bring healing or peace to them, restoration. Speak a word of encouragement to somebody. That's love. That is moving in love. That's not a clanging cymbal or a gong or, you know, that is being the body of Christ and moving in love is the revelation of the wisdom of God to the world. Do you agree? That's showing his character. Why? Because he is love. God is love. When we show love to somebody, it brings healing. It brings restoration in a time of crisis. It brings judgment. Let's do that, church. Come on. Are y'all with me? Man, I just want to love people better. I just want to love people, all people, all people in the body, all the different parts of the body. I want to love them better. Let's take a, another look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but I want to read it to you from the message. I love this translation of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the message says this. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, doesn't take pleasure in the flowering 
Oh, no, it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, and it puts up with anything. Trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Verse 12, we don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of these is love. How do we do all that? I was thinking this morning I want to end with one verse that you may know by heart. In the book of Micah, the Old Testament minor prophet. It's a little book in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6. Verse 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Do justice, love mercy, some translations say kindness, and walk humbly. When you couple that with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that breaks it down pretty simple. Do justice. Make, make right judgments. In a time of crisis, bring healing. Bring restoration. Love mercy. Show mercy. And walk humbly. Right? Love is not proud. It doesn't boast. It always sees the best. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's love better. Y'all with me? All right, come on, let's pray. Lord, first and foremost, we love you. You are love, and you, we love because you first loved us. You showed us what love is, and we love you, Lord. We love you back today. God, I pray that you would pour your love on the body of Christ in such a way that when we love each other and when we love others outside of the body, that your glory your goodness would be revealed to the earth, Lord. Your manifold wisdom. God, I pray that as we walk in love as the body of Christ, as we walk in unity and we walk in love toward humanity, God, that you would bring healing and restoration. Lord, I pray for every person that's here today and those that are listening, God, that you would bring healing and restoration and peace 
in every area of chaos. Lord, I just speak your love over the body of Christ around the world. I pray, God, that we would rise up and be the church, that we would be um, a body that reflects your glory, reflects your love to every human, every human on the planet, Lord. You're so good. Your love endures forever, Lord. We're eternally grateful to you for who you are in us. Shine through us, Lord. Be glorified in us, Lord, as your body. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's sing one song together before we go.